the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I want the truth. Did we get the truth? I don't think we got a lot of it for 11 hours of that Benghazi hearing. You know, uh, we got to watch uh, Hillary and, uh, and you know, the, the two teams, the two teams, the, the, the senators from, uh, from the Republicans and senators from the Democrats basically play football against each other and Hillary to look on, look on with a dumb look on her face like she didn't care. And every every minute they were talking was a minute that she didn't have to worry about saying something stupid. But uh, we're going to talk about that in detail. We'll talk about that in detail. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Orange to service all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities out there, whether it's buying a, a new house to live in, a buying a vacation home, buying an investment property, or refinancing something you have, or maybe pushing your kids, your adult kids out the door and getting them on their own, you can actually buy almost cheaper than you can rent. And uh, then call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night. Day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information on something real estate financing wise, but you don't want to call and talk to me because you don't want me to hear your voice, then because uh, you don't want me to hear your voice because you don't want to be embarrassed when we happen to be sitting next to each other in a restaurant. And I go, hmm, I recognize that voice. And that's only happened once in my life. But anyway, uh, if you want to, if you want to do it without being on the phone, because you're, because you're a, a youngster, uh, and you know, youngsters like to do everything on the internet, then go to edhoffman.net, click on apply now, 
fill in the information, as much information as you want me to have, and let me know how much information you want from me or my teammates, and you'll hear back from uh, me or my teammates, uh, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we'll get you all dialed in to whatever whatever it is you need with uh, real estate financing. If you hear something on the show you want repeated, at Hoffman.net, click on Listen to the Main Event, or you can get me on podcast at iTunes. Uh, just go to iTunes and search at Hoffman, and you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download once a week automatically to your iPad, your iPod, your iPhone, your iWatch, uh, your computer, or anything else that gets iTunes, uh, and you could uh, listen to it whenever it's convenient for you. And uh, if you don't have iTunes, you can go to uh, am590theanswer.com, and there's podcasts on there as well. You can follow me at Twitter at Ed Hoffman, at Ed Hoffman, at sign Ed Hoffman, uh, where I'll tweet about, uh, I tweet about whatever's on my mind all week long. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, I won't say R-rated, but sometimes it's uh, unedited. Um, and uh, also go the, to our Facebook, uh, search uh, The Main Event 590 for our show uh, Facebook page, and you can read my weekly uh, opinion columns on iebusinessdaily.com, IE Inland Empire, iebusinessdaily.com. Click on the opinion page, and you'll see a full list of columns. So... Uh, Let's talk about a couple things before we get into the Benghazi hearing. Um, in real estate financing, interest rates still great. Prices are still good out there. There's still options. I'll tell you that um, Don and I have have about 19 different companies trying to buy our money tree off of our commercial property, uh, which is a money tree. For those of you who don't know what a money tree, it's one of those things that looks like a cellular te- antenna but has leaves on it. Um, and I call it a money tree because it sends us checks every month and we have one on our commercial property and, uh, there's about 19 companies trying to buy it from me and I just haven't figured out exactly what makes the most sense for me. I think I'm probably going to, to do it in 1031 into some houses, but first I wanted to check and see what kind of deals there are on houses. There's some good deals still out there on, uh, on, I haven't been actively looking for rental houses, but there are still some good stuff out there in the, in the mid two hundreds, uh, in Moreno Valley. And I'm sure, uh, if you're in the high desert, there's some cheaper ones, but you know, uh, if you're interested in doing something like that, I'll help you, uh, call me at 855-640-2020 and I'll help you figure out what the difference between a good deal and a, and a great deal is, but there's still some deals out there. Uh, if you want to go after them, they're, they're not as good as they were six or seven years ago, but, uh, they are good still. Uh, there's still some, still some, uh, opportunities out there, especially while we're waiting for the stock market to take its crash and realize that if you're saying, eh, it's stock market is still going to go up. Uh, it might still go up a little bit before it crashes down, but the upside's much lower, much smaller than the downside is. Uh, also, last Friday night, uh, um, some of my employees and I were uh, hosted by some guys at March Air Force Base. I guess March Air Reserve Base now. Some of the National Guards guys uh, took us back as a as a thank you for what we do for the veterans and gave us a tour of the Reaper operations. And I will tell you, uh, we got to get up close and personal with the Reaper, which is a RPA, Remote Piloted Aircraft. So last week when I was talking about those, I, I couldn't remember what the acronym was. RPA, Remote Piloted Aircraft. That uh, that they're that they're uh, they're piloting out of March in Moreno Valley, and uh, there's like about six different areas in the country where they do it, and uh, and they showed it. And this thing this thing is like a a big uh, um, radio control aircraft, except for they're radio controlling it from from uh, March Air Force Base in Moreno Valley, California, over Syria. So it's got a little bit more range than your standard uh, standard. Um, 
uh, radio control, and it's got and it carries a uh, four Hellfire rocket missiles, and it carries two five hundred pound bombs on it. And uh, we got to I got to sit in the simulator and and bomb some tanks and stuff, and that was fun. It's uh, something that you know probably little kids could learn faster than I do because it's you know like doing a two handled uh, two handled video game. Uh, but that's where these guys sit there, and they sit there with, with a, a pilot and a bomber on on each one of these aircraft. You got one guy who's who's aiming the bombs, and one guy's flying the aircraft. It's uh, it's quite a uh, it's quite interesting. And uh, you know, it's what else else was interesting was they talk about the civilian uses. So like uh, how they're using using these aircraft that they can fly them from March and and fight fires with it. Where they can see, you know, like in the fires in the hills, the rim fire fire that was up in San Bernardino, I don't know, last year, the year before. They used it, you know, but it took, it takes so long because in order for them to use it for civilian use, they actually have to get uh, uh, permission from the Secretary of Defense. So they got to find Ashton Carter somewhere and say, hey, there's a fire in the San Bernardino Mountains and the guys can't get at it. Can we help the fire department out with this thing that can fly over there and give them real-time look from the sky as to what they're looking at so they know where the hot spots are? Uh, but, you know, we got to get the Secretary of Defense to approve something like that. And, uh, you know, when uh, that uh, Dorner guy, Charles Dorner, the guy that uh, drove from L.A. and killed some cops in Corona and they caught him up in Big Bear... They got in on that, but of course, if they if they didn't have to try so hard to get in touch with the secretary uh, secretary of defense to get the approval, because everybody's so paranoid about being having a cameras flying over them and the government watching them, um, they could have uh, they could have used they could have caught him probably before he killed the last two cops. Um, so there's there's some big stuff going on with with these uh, with this technology that America uh, has at their hands, and it's pretty exciting. Um, the the chief out there, uh, uh, Dana Hessheimer, said apparently there's a a show that the Smithsonian Channel is going to be airing on November first. So if you get the Smithsonian Channel, uh, I don't know what channel it is, but look for that and DVR it, and they're going to talk about the Reaper and all the stuff it does. And a whole special on it, and you'll see my friend Dana Hessheimer on there as well. So anyway, uh, I thank the Grizzly guys out there at March Air Reserve Base, the National Guard unit out there, um, for all you guys do. And then, of course, we got to go have some adult beverages at the VFW, which we uh, have provided their air conditioning system. But anyway, um, that was fun, and I thought I'd share that with you. Also, uh, uh, something going on in uh, in real estate financing. I don't know if I've, I mentioned it very much. Reverse mortgage purchases. If you're over 62, talked to some lady last night that doesn't really know what she wants to do. She's got all these properties, not sure where she, where she wants to move or where she wants to go, but she doesn't want to live in any of the 10 properties she has. And I said, well, sell one of them, use it as a as a down payment on a on whatever you do. Put in, put half your money down, and and buy a house for cash. So get an idea. If you got a two hundred thousand paid off house and you want to move into a nicer house, so uh, sell that one, take your two hundred thousand, put it down on a four hundred thousand dollar house, and do a reverse mortgage purchase. And you don't have any payments, so it's just the same as the uh, as having a uh, having a uh, cash paying cash, not having a payment. Almost the same. And uh, anyway, that's just an idea. So if you're if you're a senior and you had hadn't thought about that, I'd just throw that by and uh, give you some ideas. So anyway, uh, so let's go on to the Benghazi hearings. The Benghazi hearing was uh, Thursday. We highly anticipated getting uh, getting Hillary Clinton uh, on the mic, and it was quite the circus. But uh, let me play a few clips from it. Let's start with this. This is kind of a long clip. It's about uh, almost four minutes long. 
Um, this is Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, uh, laying out the timeline to Hillary uh, at the hearing. Let me play this. You just gave a long answer, Madam Secretary, to Ms. Sanchez about what you heard that night, what you're doing. But nowhere in there did you mention a video. You didn't mention a video because there was never a video-inspired protest in Benghazi. There was in Cairo, but not in Benghazi. Victoria Nuland, your spokesperson at the State Department, hours after the attack, said this. Benghazi has been attacked by militants. In Cairo, police have removed demonstrators. Benghazi, you got weapons and explosions. Cairo, you got spray paint and rocks. One hour before the attack in Benghazi, Chris Stevens walks a diplomat to the front gate. The ambassador didn't report a demonstration. He didn't report it because it never happened. An eyewitness in the command center that night on the ground said no protest, no demonstration. Two intelligence reports that day. No protest, no demonstration. The attack starts at 3.42 Eastern Time, ends at approximately 11.40 p.m. that night. At 4.06, an ops alert goes out across the State Department. It says this, mission under attack, armed men, shots fired, explosions heard. No mention of a video, no mention of a protest, no mention of a demonstration. But the best evidence is Greg Hicks, the number two guy in Libya, the guy who worked side by side with Ambassador Stevens. He was asked if there had been a protest, would the ambassador have reported it? Mr. Hicks' response, absolutely. For there to have been a demonstration on Chris Stevens' front door and him not to have reported it is unbelievable, Mr. Hicks said. He said, secondly, if it had been reported, he would have been out the back door within minutes and there was a back gate. Everything points to a terrorist attack. We just heard from Mr. Pompeo about the long history of terrorist incidents, terrorist violence in the country. And yet five days later, Susan Rice goes on five TV shows and she says this. Benghazi was a spontaneous reaction as a consequence of a video. A statement we all know is false. But don't take my word for it. Here's what others have said. Rice was off the reservation. Off the reservation on five networks. White House worried about the politics. Republicans didn't make those statements. They were made by the people who work for you in the Near Eastern Affairs Bureau, the actual experts on Libya in the State Department. So, if there's no evidence for a video-inspired protest, then where'd the false narrative start? Started with you, Madam Secretary. At 10.08, on the night of the attack, you released this statement. Some have sought to justify the vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material posted on the internet. At 10.08, with no evidence, at 10.08, before the attack is over, at 10.08, when Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty are still on the roof of the annex fighting for their lives, the official statement of the State Department blames a video. Why? During the day on September 11th, as you did mention, Congressman, there was a very large uh, protest against our embassy in Cairo. Protesters breached the walls. They tore down the... Uh, American flag, uh, and it was of grave concern to us because the inflammatory video had been shown on Egyptian television, which has a broader uh, reach than just inside Egypt. And if you look at what I said, 
I referred to the video that night in a very specific way. I said some have sought to justify the attack because of the video. Big difference between uh, Egypt and uh, Libya. Big difference as to where this is all going on. And uh, in, then in further discussion, Jim Jor- Jordan again tries to clarify. Here's what you said. At 11 o'clock that night, approximately one hour after you told the American people it was a video, you say to your family, two officers were, were killed today in Benghazi by an Al-Qaeda-like group. Also, on the night of the attack, you had a call with the president of Libya. Here's what you said to him. Ansar al-Sharia is claiming responsibility. You knew the truth, but that's not what the American people got. Well, I think if you look at the statement that I made, I clearly said that it was an attack. And I also said that there were some who tried to justify. Yeah, there was a there was a it was clearly an attack. I said it was an attack. Didn't say why it was an attack. I said it was because of a video. Didn't say it was terrorist group because because we wanted to make sure that the that the uh, you know, the election that was going off in six weeks wasn't tainted by the fact that we don't have Al Qaeda on the run and we don't have any uh we don't have uh, we haven't taken care of all the terrorist activity out there. So to sum it up, let me give you this. So on September eleventh this this goes out. Uh Victoria this uh Victoria Newland, who's the assistant secretary of state or the Secretary of State press person, she announces there's a demonstration in Cairo. Cairo, Egypt, not in Benghazi, Libya. Okay. Then uh ten oh eight 10.08 that night, uh, Hillary announces that, uh, or puts out a press release that there was an attack uh, due to some inflammatory information on the internet. Then, an hour later, she sends an email to her daughter, Chelsea, saying that there's uh, that there was uh, people killed over an Al-Qaeda-like group. So she knew it was a terrorist attack, but an hour, an hour earlier, she told everybody it was because of a video. Then, uh, the next day, Obama, uh, pre- uh, Barack Hussein Obama and Hillary side by side in the in the White House uh, Rose Garden make a make a uh, joint statement. You know, the next morning, most of us were asleep when all this stuff ended, and the next morning they made this uh, this announcement st- and blaming it on the video in the Rose Garden. That's nine twelve. On nine thirteen, Hillary made this speech. We've seen rage and violence directed at American embassies over an awful internet video that we had nothing to do with. The next, the next day on September 14th, the three days after the event, Jay Carney, who is the press house, the the, the press secretary of the White House, uh, made this comment: "We have no uh, information to suggest that it was a pre-planned uh, attack. Uh, the unrest we've seen around the region has been." in reaction to uh, a video that uh, Muslims, many Muslims, find offensive. Then on the 15th and 16th, Susan Rice, who was the uh, uh, U.N. ambassador at the time, she's now the National Security Advisor, um, or the head of the National Security Agency, because if you lie on TV for Barack Hussein Obama, you get you get promoted. So on uh, uh, September 15th and 16th, she went on all the shows. Here she is making comment on uh, Fox News Sunday on September 16th. What sparked the recent violence was the airing on the Internet of a very hateful, very offensive video uh, that uh, that has offended many people around the world. And then uh, Barack Hussein Obama, the uh, liar in chief himself, went on The Late Show with David Letterman on the 18th, which is one week after the attack and four Americans died and further uh, further uh, advanced the BS story. 
as offensive as this video was. Uh, and obviously, we've denounced it, and the United States government had nothing to do with it. Uh, that's never an excuse for violence. And of course, for those of you that haven't looked, uh, reached out to YouTube and tried to find that, um, the video was as stupid as can be and uh, was, uh, I don't know, I mean, I could see if I could see if you're a Muslim, you get a little bit angered. But as they said, in Cairo, they were throwing rocks and using spray paint and uh, they weren't taking using rocket propelled grenades and bombs and stuff. Then Hillary uh, at the at the uh, at the towards the end of this section of the of the uh, hearing tried to summarize the video, trying to tie in the story to make it make it seem like it was it wasn't a lie. It had some relevance. Several of you have raised the video and have dismissed the importance of the video. And I think that is um, unfortunate because there's no doubt. And as I said earlier, even the person we have now arrested as being one of the ringleaders of the attack on our compound in Benghazi uh, is reputed to have use the video as a way to gather up the attackers that attacked our compound. Okay, that justifies it. They use the video to gather people up. So my question is, what if he used Oreo cookies? If he used Oreo cookies to gather people up, hey, I got a plate of Oreo cookies. Come come have some Oreo cookies for free, and we're going to talk about this attack we're going to organize. Would we have arrested the president of Nabisco? At the time for uh, for inciting this this terrorist attack because he used it to gather people up. Uh, I wonder about the guy who made the video because they arrested him, and uh, and I heard from uh, I heard a comment from um, um, Glenn Doherty's dad, I think it was, who said that on uh, September twelfth that uh, Hillary Clinton gave them a hug and was said she was sorry and it was caused by this this uh, Muslim video and and uh, and promised they were going to arrest him and said uh, and made a comment yesterday he made a comment yesterday that she it should resign from she's she is not fit to lead any anything in this country and she should she should pull back from her running for president so uh, uh, the smoking gun everybody was looking for was was uh, not exactly blatantly gotten yesterday, but here, here's my thought. Here's a couple things that I caught I didn't have clips for. Um, in Hillary's opening statements, um, she mentioned that dealing with in, uh, in Benghazi, Libya, was like dealing in the 19th century. And she said the words, no internet. So I just wonder, if there's no internet in Libya, how did anybody watch a YouTube video? I don't know. Maybe nobody thought of that, or maybe nobody just heard her say. But she goes, "It's like dealing in the 19th century," and she was re- she was referring to the fact that you know the the communication between Chris Stevens and her wasn't you know it wasn't immediate, wasn't immediate, wasn't very fast. Also, in her opening statement, she mentioned that um, that she's responsible and she cares about and and uh, she takes seriously her role for the 70,000 people that work for the State Department. Although uh, a congresswoman, Martha Roby, who's a Republican from Alabama, uh, referenced an email that came from a couple of people and asking about, do they really have anything going in Libya? They want to know if there's really anything going in Libya. They're asking about security. 
And she goes, who's, I don't remember that email. And she goes, well, she goes, who are the people on, and she mentions the, the two names of the people that were on the, on the email besides Hillary Clinton. And she goes, oh, they're not on my staff. And she goes, they're, they work for the State Department. She goes, well, they're not on the secretary's staff. And, uh, and she goes, well, that, and, and I'm, and I'd said out loud, out loud, I said, I thought she said everybody, all the 70,000 that work for the State Department are part of her team and she cares about them and takes responsibility for them. And then Martha Roby said, well, you know, that, that bothers me because you just said all 70,000 and now you're saying these people aren't on your staff so you don't take any responsibility. Just interesting stuff. You know, uh, and then, then it was, then there are lots of questions about why the security wasn't approved. Apparently, in the months between May and September 11th, when Chris Stevens died, and May, May sometime when uh, Chris Stevens was apparently put in his temporary position to be up to 30 days, and then uh, in, uh, in Benghazi, Libya, um, apparently there were 600 emails requesting additional security. And Hillary said, she never got. She never saw those requests. That somebody else got them. You know what? I don't see every email that comes to my desk, but I'll tell you, if somebody emails me six hundred times, my secretary or the receptionist at the front desk or one of the other loan officers or somebody who's not someone in the accounting department is going to say, "Hey Ed, this guy's going crazy trying to get in touch with you. Maybe you should deal with this." Hey, anyway, I'm out of I'm out of uh, I'm out of time for part one. We're going to talk about more of this when we come back from the break. Stay tuned for five minutes of commercials and weather and traffic. Don't go away. We got lots more to talk about on part two of the main event. I'll be right back. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you're interested in real estate financing and you want to talk to someone with a brain, common sense, and thinks like you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. I can tell you I've been doing lending a lot longer than I've been on the radio. I've been on the radio. I'm just almost up to eight years. The end of December will be eight years on the radio on this show. And uh, But I've been in the mortgage business for 20, I think it's 26 years now. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I'm really good at it. I'm really, I'm really good at doing loans, and I'll, I'll dial you into what makes sense for you, not what makes sense for me, and I'll dial you in the right way. So we're talking about uh, the Benghazi hearings and uh, some of my, uh, some of my uh, observations and thoughts on what I saw. You know, this thing was 11 hours long, so I didn't see it all. I got to watch the whole thing for a couple hours, sent out a couple of tweets, watched it on and off during the day, and then got the highlights of it. Got the highlights of it all, all the uh, Thursday night. And uh, watched all the watched all the little the little gotchas in there, and uh, and as I was saying, they were talking about how how uh, um, Chris Stevens had sent six hundred requests for additional security. Some saying, "Hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get creamed over here." I think even uh, one of the uh, one of the guys, one of the uh, security guys there that ended up dying that night, uh, sent some some message that night saying we could get overrun here, and and we did nothing. We did nothing. Hillary Clinton uh, used her excuse. I never saw him. We get to our security people. At one point, she even said, don't, you know, our security people are the best. They protect us. They protect you. They protect everybody. Don't eat. I'm not even going to allow a comment on record that will, that will criticize anything they do. And the, uh, the congressman that was a questioner goes, well, they messed up here. I think that was Lynn Westmoreland said, said, uh, uh, well, uh, they missed. They messed up here, and there's four dead Americans. 
And uh, but uh, you know, Hillary Clinton was being being uh, questioned by Congress Lady uh, Susan Brooks, who's a bulldog, a Republican from Indiana, and was asking her about uh, you know, she she talked about what a good friend she was with with Chris Stevens and how they had discussed him going in there and how long it was going to be and he was going to control how long he was there. And she asked him. She asked uh, Susan Brooks asked Hillary this. Talk to Ambassador Stevens when all of this was going on in the hotbed of Libya. Well, that is a yes or no question, Madam Secretary. I'm sorry. Did you ever personally speak to Ambassador Stevens after? We don't know the answer. Did you ever personally speak to him after you swore him in in May? I yes believe, or no, please. Yes, I believe I did. But and I, when was that? I, I don't recall. She sounds so. She sounds so confident in her answer. Uh, I, yes, I believe I did. Bull. She didn't. She never talked to him. She never talked to him. She has no no proof and no emails. No emails between her and Chris Stevens in the from May 2012 till September 11, 2012. Lots of emails from Chris Stevens to the State Department, but never got through. And they were personal friends. Chris Stevens and her were personal friends. She cared about him. She respected him. She requested Obama put him there. And she, she, uh, uh, she takes, she, you know, she was really cared about him and his family, but she never answered one of his emails the whole time. All along, and all along through this, if you watch it, it, it was quite the circus because they got a, they would have a, a Republican person question her like a prosecutor. And then the Democrat person would come on because uh, I think the, the, the uh, uh, committee was split half and half Democrats and Republicans. And so you'd have a lawyer, someone who cared about this investigation, asking questions to try and try and get to something. And then a, then a, uh, a Democrat would come on and instead of a- asking a question, use up their whole five or six minutes that they have just basically grandstanding. Here's Elijah Cummings, the, uh, the Congressman from Maryland. I think you have said you have not, this has not been done perfectly. You wish you could do it another way. And then the statement that you made a few minutes ago when you said, you know, I have given more thought to this than all of you combined. So I don't know what we want from you. Do we want to badge you over and over again until you get tired, until we do get the gotcha moment that he's talking about? You know what? How productive is that? How productive is that? And meanwhile, all this time, so half half the time that they're asking that that they have allotted for questions, the 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 politicians are are grandstanding. Did you hear a question in there? I don't know what we want from you. He's talking to Hillary Clinton. I don't know what we want from you. We want to just badger you till they get the gotcha moment. And this went on and on and on and on and on every time. Every time that. And meanwhile, Hillary Clinton's just sitting there with her hands in her in her. Uh, against her fingers and just having a having that okay use up the time i'm getting arrested here because i know this is going to go on for a long time and it was just it was just part of it was just political bs you know what i wish i wish kevin mccarthy would have come out like trump would have and stood up for himself you know when when trump gets misquoted he goes hey you know there's you there's you guys in the press always misquoting me Uh, that's not what i said this is and you know kevin mccarthy came out made that statement you know what hillary clinton was unbeatable and now we have a benghazi committee and what are her numbers doing now clip and what he did say after that was now people are realizing she's untrustable and it's not a and 
he didn't admit that he didn't admit that this thing was a partisan thing. He brought he all he did is say, "Hey, we have a Benghazi committee, and now people are starting to see what's going on, and they're realizing she's untrustable." He should have come out like a like a like a tough guy, like a Trump, or like somebody who's who uh, or I, I don't even know uh, who would how anybody would uh, would stand up like that. But you know what? If that were me. That was Donald Trump. I go on on front of the microphone, and Kev, Kevin McCarthy could have got in front of any microphone he wanted at that time, and said, "Hey, that is not what I said. That's that's creative clipping. That is not that was taken out of context, and he should have made that clear. And they could have stopped saying, "Hey, you guys admitted it was a partisan attack to to derail her to derail her uh, presidential campaign because that wasn't the truth." But that's all they talked about during this uh, during every other section of the. Uh, of the Benghazi hearings. Um, some other things on here. Clinton sat silently as the committee's Republican chairman, uh, Trey Gowdy and uh, uh, Elijah Cummings shouted at each other um, at one time. Um, Democrat Adam Smith, Democrat from Washington, Rep- Representative Adam Smith, member of the committee saying that Benghazi committee has learned absolutely nothing, not already uncovered by previous probes. We have found, have we found anything substantive that tells us anything different about what happened? He said, the answer is no. He actually said, have we, have we, accomplished anything have we done done our job no i tweeted out at that time hey if you guys have done if the committee has accomplished nothing in 14 months i would plead as a taxpayer i would like your paycheck back i don't know how you guys feel about that but i don't like paying for these idiots to sit on there you know what these congress people make like a hundred and just under 150 grand each and all they do is sit around and do this crap and uh, you know, if you're the Speaker of the House, I think you get like 180 thousand, and uh, and then plus all the kickbacks that they get from all the uh, all the other uh, all the lobbyists and stuff that people want them to pass their bills and uh, free stuff and flying around for free. And uh, but we don't have the budget, you know. At one point, hey, it's hard, it's hard to. One of the Congress people said, "Isn't it hard to to do this? Didn't you have some budget problems? You have to provide security, you know what?" Um, Friday morning on Outnumbered, uh, the state, the budget, the, the state department budget was brought up by, uh, Fox liberal Julie Roginski, uh, and her lipstick, uh, cause she's got to put nine pounds of lipstick on before she goes on TV. Cause that's where her brains lie in her lipstick. And, uh, she questioned Rand Paul, who was the outnumbered guy. And, uh, Rand Paul reminded us of a few things that they do with the state budget. One of the interesting things is if you look at the money and where they were spending the money leading up to the attack in Benghazi, in that summer, Hillary Clinton approved $100,000 to send three comedians to India on the Make Chai Not War. Hillary Clinton spent $650,000 on Facebook ads. Seems they didn't have enough friends. She spent $700,000 on landscaping for the Brussels embassy. And here's the clincher. Five million dollars on embassy barware and glassware, but she didn't have enough money to appropriate. There was plenty of money for security. She just had other. So why? So it's amazing to me is that they give Hillary Clinton takes the time to approve budget allocations like buying glassware and barware for an embassy or landscaping around uh, some place in Austria, but uh, but she but. She leaves the security. She six hundred emails. She ignores them because she didn't have time for that. And we certainly don't have money in the budget to uh, secure one of our embassies or consulates in Libya, where it's a hotbed of uh, of danger for our uh, for our American ambassador and his and his staff. Um, 
I think a lot more is going to come out of this, out of these hearings and out of this, uh, this Benghazi committee. I think uh, just on the face, on the face of it, um, a lot of people are going, hey, Hillary came out unscathed. I think there's, I think the FBI was watching that hearing too, as as much as we were, and uh, and hopefully this turns into an indictment because this lady needs to be in jail because she's a criminal. And for those of you that think that she'll make a good president, you're an idiot. Okay. Just saying, I hate to I hate to insult people, but you're an idiot. So, just me. That's just me. I could be wrong. I'm not, but I could be. Okay. So, uh, what else? What else did we learn this week? Joe Biden uh, ended his speculation about his political future on Wednesday. I don't believe him either. But he said he he made a long speech with Obama standing there, and you know you couldn't see in the, on the TV. You could see uh, from about Biden and Obama's chest up. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, Obama was standing that close to him. He might have had his hand on something that was controlling what Biden said to make sure he was extra nice talking about the Obama administration. Um, You could read into that any way you want because what you're thinking I'm trying to say, I'm saying. But uh, here's just a little piece of what he said. As my family and I have worked through the the grieving process, uh, I've said all along uh, what I've said time and again to others. that it may very well be that that process, uh, uh, by the time we get through it, uh, closes the window on mounting a realistic campaign uh, for president. That it might close. I've concluded it has closed. Uh, I think that's not a conclusion. I don't think that's final. But you know who knows? Um, I think I think he's just saying that. That was the night before the. Uh before the Benghazi hearings, I think he's going to wait and find out what the FBI does and then see if he can race around to get his, his committee together or his, uh, maybe, maybe Hillary will just hand over her, her organization and we can just, uh, change the, the, the signs on those 50 things. So I guess he's got to file, file, uh, papers in each individual state by sometime in November. So the, the window of opportunity may have, may, may be behind him, but I just don't trust that that's his, uh, his real opinion. I think uh, I think he may be saying that to get people off his butt. Remember when uh, he was uh, one of the one of the potential vice presidential running mates, and they said the the news was chasing after him. He goes, "Hey man, I'm not your guy. You got the wrong guy here." Okay, and then the next day he's the announced as the running mate. So, you know, uh, if if Democrats' lips are moving, you could tell they're lying. Uh, so in the Democrat Party, we lost a couple. We lost a couple of good contenders this this week. Jim Webb dropped out on Monday, and then uh, on Friday, Friday or Thursday, Lincoln Chafee dropped. So that leaves uh, in the Democrats only uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders, the socialist, and uh, what's O'Malley's first name? Walter Martin O'Malley. Martin O'Malley. I knew it had an A in it. Walter Martin. They're close. So uh, those are the three that are still in. Um, let me see. Uh, uh, polls polls have consistently shown that most of Biden supporters were being drawn away from Clinton. So Biden with Biden out there, uh, Hillary will probably get some more support. 
because people that support Biden are stupid and people that support Hillary are idiots and together they make stupid idiots. And uh, and who else could they vote for? Um, they could pull their head out of their nether regions and realize that this country is going to go down the toilet if we don't start using our brains and all the people running that have brains are on the Republican side. Um, and there's a variety of different of different uh, different pieces of fruit there, so they, there's plenty to pick from. Um, Carly Fiorina, my favorite, my favorite. You know what? I like Donald Trump, but he's just so out there sometimes, and I get tired of, of him him being the only one on TV because he's so bigger than life TV starish, and uh, and then him telling us telling us about how the poll numbers are. Man, I'm doing great in the polls. Hey, what are you going to do as president? I'm doing great in the polls, man. It's going to be great. You know, and I like his strength. I like his, uh, I like the, and maybe that's what we need. I heard, uh, I heard that, uh, I heard uh, Newt Gingrich talk on Thursday night about, you know, it's, it's the spirit. You need someone with spirit more than you need someone with, with uh, necessarily all the, all the plans and the, and the brains, because we need something to inspire Americans uh, into their their ideas, so maybe Trump's spirit, because he's so strong like that, he'll bring it and he'll surround himself with strong guys, with strong smart guys, and he'll and and he'll inspire this country like Reagan did. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. But Carly Fiorina uh, seems to have spirit and brains. Um, she's taken a major hit in the polls over the past several weeks. Um, remember, uh, Carly was at 15% many of the national polls after the, after the CNN debate. And uh, in New Hampshire, she's held the lead, but in most national polls, she appears to be fallen down to and also ran again. Uh, she was on Megyn Kelly the other night, and uh, she asked her about it, and this is what, uh, how that conversation went. You're slipping in the polls, even though you skyrocketed after the CNN debate. You were way the heck up there, you know, number two in some polls. Now you're back down. We have a chart that shows to where you were before even the Fox debate. And so folks have been asking, why? Why is that? Why do you think it is? Well, actually, I don't uh, agree with the premise of your question. I'm number two in New Hampshire today. I'm number three in Iowa. I'm number two in Nevada. I'm way up there in South Carolina. Well, on the national in polls, the places you're not. where primaries are going to happen. Well, there are and lots the of problems poll, with national polls, as you and I have discussed. There's lots of problems with Fox News polls, frankly. Uh, something that we've discussed many times. The national polls, people are going to go up and down. What I think is important to understand is in the state polls where the primaries are going to be held, I am a clear front runner. And it's also true that we still have about 40% of the American voters, Republican primary voters, who say they don't know anything about me. Mm -hmm. That's in the Fox News poll. And I would have to agree with Carly. Um, a lot of people don't know who she is. She's not, she's not getting the TV coverage that, that uh, Trump is. And who is? Nobody's getting the TV coverage other than uh, Trump and Ben Carson. And uh, and Ben Carson's not getting anywhere near what Trump is because Trump is Trump. He's on he's on TV every single day, and he's drawing such big crowds because people know who he is. I mean, hey, there's going to be a Carly Fiorina rally at the uh, at the McDonald's here, and she'll you know who's Carly Fiorina? A lot of people, and uh, she'll get people to come to come over, but. Not like, you know, Trump, you know, all the college kids and everybody who watches The Apprentice and, you know, everybody knows who Donald Trump is. So he's getting much bigger crowds. And uh, I will tell you, once you meet meet some of these larger than life people that want that think that they can run for president, um, they're impressive. And um, but if we remember back to 2008, 2008, um, 
this time we would have had um, Rudy Giuliani and Hillary Clinton would have been the, the two nominees, and neither one of them ended up in the in the uh, in the general election. And uh, Giuliani decided that he was going to uh, sit out Iowa and New Hampshire and what is it, South Carolina, because the the first two or three weeks of primaries. The delegates, hey, all these states are first, but they don't add up to to diddly squat in delegates. And then Florida comes, and on and if you won Florida, you're ahead of everybody. So he decided he'll take the Bill Clinton way of the more people you meet in person, the more people will vote for you. And he went and you know pressed his flesh, you know uh, pressed his uh, his hand against people's other hand and shook hands with him and met him. And Giuliani would have made a great president, but he sat out the first few uh, first few rounds. And we had, uh, we had um, uh, let's see, Huckabee won one of them. Didn't Huckabee or Santorum won Iowa? And uh, New Hampshire was, uh, even McCain, McCain had a good good showing. And by the time we got to Florida, no one had seen Giuliani on TV for a couple of weeks, and they thought he dropped out. So when the Florida, and then the, even the people that had met him in Florida are watching TV and say, hey, Giuliani's a, Giuliani's a loser. We're not going to get him. And he didn't have a very good showing in Florida, ended up dropping out. Um, meanwhile, McCain, who nobody in the whole world thought could win because he's, he's such a moderate, um, ends up being our, I think, I think McCain was as surprised as anybody that he got the uh, nomination because he was almost out of money when he won a couple of, couple of primaries and all of a sudden, wow, it could be McCain. And all of a sudden the money started rolling in. So, so the moral of the story is if, if, uh, if Carly Fiorina is, Spending her time meeting people in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, and she's doing well in those polls. I still say she's a viable candidate. Plus, we've got a debate coming up on the 28th, which is Wednesday night. I think it's Wednesday night. Where's the calendar? So, see, the th- Halloween is the 31st, 30th. So, it's Wednesday night. Wednesday night is uh, is the debate, and it's uh, on uh, CNBC. And uh, I don't know what time it is, but... Um, I don't know how many candidates are going to be there, if they're going to let everybody. We've only had two people drop out. We should get some more people to drop out like Bobby Jindal and uh, and uh, 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 Lindsey Graham. And uh, let's see, who else should drop out? Uh, Huckabee should drop out. Bill, uh, Bill, uh, um, Rick Santorum should drop out. There's a whole bunch of them should drop out because they're not going to win. Chris Christie can drop out. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Ted Cruz can drop out because he's born in Canada. I'm not voting for him, even though he'd be a great president. Uh, but I'm just not going to do that because he is a he's not a natural born citizen. I don't care what anybody says. Barack Obama wasn't either, but it's just not cool to be a birther anymore. So uh, I think I still say Carly Fiorina is doing what she's got to do. She's keep on keeping on. And uh, you know what was interesting? What what uh, what um, another thing that Newt Gingrich said. On uh, I was on Hannity. I think it was on Hannity uh, Thursday night uh, talking about the Benghazi thing. He says, you know, there's two different sides of the of the Republican Party. There's the uh, there's the controllers and there's the creative side. And the creative side loves the chaos that's going on with Trump and Carly Fiorina and Ben Carson, Ted Cruz, because they're the people. The, they're not the establishment candidates. They're the kind of the buck the buck the tide. You know, go their way. Let's let's make America great. Let's do some creative stuff. And the chaos. The chaos is where that stuff happens. And you've got the controlling people that want everything to be slow and just have the, the, the few people have control of it and do all that stuff. Very interesting uh, observations from Newt Gingrich. I wish he was a little younger so he could have run because I think he would make a great president. Um, and he understands all that stuff. And uh, 
with just some very interesting uh, ideas there. So if you're out there going, Hoffman, what do you mean Trump? What do you mean Carly Fearing? And we got to elect Rubio or we got to elect Jeb Bush. You know what? I don't think so. I think we need. I think we need someone who's gonna who's gonna rile up that chaos, that chaos in our party because the no one seems to be too happy with the status quo of what's going on as we see with what's going on with our uh, Speaker of the House issues. And now Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. We'll see if Paul Ryan can pull it off. Paul Ryan ran for uh, the number two spot with Mitt Romney four years ago. Now he's looks like he's going to step into the number three spot as Speaker of the House, and he'll probably be uh, nominated. He'll probably be elected to that, and he'll probably do a great job because he's a smart guy. Kind of quiet. Don't know if he's got the uh, the stir him up kind of spirit. But let's see. Let's see. I have uh, good things going. I have good good thoughts on there. And before I run out of time, for those of you that uh, remember the the uh, stand with Ahmed, stand with Ahmed, I, the little kid with the clock, little kid that uh, got arrested for bringing a, a dismantled clock. Who said it was his invention? He brought it to school and showed it to his uh, science teacher. He said, oh, "Hey, don't show this to anybody. It looks like a bomb." And apparently, he took apart a Radio Shack clock and then he showed it to English teacher and uh, he plugged it in and it, the alarm went off. So the English teacher got scared and she called the police. And then uh, there's all riled up over, "Hey, it's an invention, not an invention." He just dismantled a clock and tried to stir some stuff up. And then we find out that nine years ago, that uh, nine years ago, or in 2000, 2009, his sister was uh, suspended from school for uh, terrorist stuff in the same school district. She was suspended from school for that. And this kid is a little troublemaker. But, you know, uh, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, our Muslim president, uh, stepped up and said, invited him to the White House and said what a great kid he was. And we're sorry because we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to insult Muslim people or anything. Uh, invite him. Well, apparently 24 hours after Ahmed Mohammed did his whirlwind America as racist tour, met President Obama and uh, he de- his family decided it's time to leave the United States for good. I uh, don't have any audio clips of it, but you know, they, they, even at even at White House astronomy astronomy night he attended, where other kids presented their inventions on stage for the president, Ahmed's clock wasn't there. I don't know why. If it's such a great invention, how come he didn't show that? But uh, you know, he's off to uh, to go study at uh, some Qatar Foundation Education Science Community Development known as QF. So, uh, but we find out now that QF is the the founder of QF is the creator of Al Jazeera TV network, Sheikh Hama bin Khalifa Al Thani, a wealthy member of the Qatar royal family who has close ties to the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas. How do we know this? Because in late 2012, the New York Times reported Al Thani pledged 400 million to fund Hamas in the Gaza Strip. So we got a uh, we got a, uh, a a young inventor terrorist going to uh, study with some other terrorist. Um, so I say, I say to all of you guys that are hashtag I stand with Ahmed, go stand in Qatar or Qatar, whatever you call it, in the Middle East, and go stand with him over there because I don't stand with him, folks. I'm out of time. Hope you uh, enjoyed my rant because you'll get more of it in seven days. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.